Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and one of my biggest concerns is how my fellow concealed carry operators are training versus how the criminals that we face are training. Now, I often find that most armed citizens are training for best case scenarios, while the criminals are doing everything they can to force us to defend ourselves under the worst conditions. Now, I say we change that right away, and this week's interview is a great way to get started. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. According to the FBI Uniform Crime Report, about 80% of all shootings occur in low-light environments, such as a dark parking lot or in your home at night and home invasion. When you think about it, it makes total sense, right? Because obviously, criminals aren't looking to get into a head-to-head confrontation with you as their targeted victim. And using the cover of night decreases their chances of being noticed before an attack and decreases their chances of being identified after an attack. So now the question becomes, if we know that you have an 80% chance of being ambushed under low-light conditions, how much of your training is set up for protecting yourself and your family in the dark? Now, if you say 80%, I'd be totally shocked, but we're here to fix all that right now. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat that you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. With me today is the debut appearance of a new instructor in the network. Please welcome Ron Grobman to the show. Ron, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. I know you're traveling overseas right now. You're in Israel. I really appreciate you taking the time mm-hmm. for us today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. No, this is awesome. I've really been looking forward to this. Now, listen, everybody, this is, uh, this is Ron's first uh, shot on our podcast, so let me give you a little bit of background for him. At the age of 16, Ron became the youngest certified Krav Maga instructor in the United States. And since then, he's attained the rank of first sergeant in the Israeli military, and served in the IDF Special Forces Reconnaissance Battalion as a sniper. Putting his unique skills to good use, Ron has worked with civilians, law enforcement, and military personnel as a Krav Maga and combat firearms instructor, developing a variety of battle-tested programs for every level of operator. In 2016, Ron founded Tactical Fitness, a company that specializes in customized training solutions combining Krav Maga hand-to-hand combat with reality-based firearms tactics. Ron's passion for teaching is evident every session, and he has the unique ability to tailor his lessons to the individual needs and goals of his students to take their skill mastery to the next level. Now, for more information about Ron and his training programs, please visit his website at www.tacticalfitnessaustin.com. Now, Ron, a lot of people consider the mind to be their primary weapon. And I know you work with a lot of your students on what you call Krav Maga mindset. So obviously our, to- our, our topic of conversation here is really about like nighttime combat pistol. Like how do you defend yourself eating time? But, but the mental mindset that goes into this is always 
I think a, a really unique aspect of it that few people really give a lot of attention to, but it's it's really, really critical. So I was happy to see that in your training courses, you focus a lot on, on what you call the Krav Maga mindset. But let me ask you, what mindset factors would you say are the most critical for someone to master in order to specifically prepared for a nighttime attack? So, Jeff, we have, we have a couple things that are kind of critical here. One and, and kind of the most important one is situational awareness. Um, and, you know, people keep repeating that over and over and over again. But really, as you you should be going in kind of, you know, Jeff Cooper's color codes between yellow and red when it gets when it gets dark. You know, you should be really paying attention, really seeing what's going on around you. Uh, and then tying into that is sharpness, also being sharp, uh, really noticing little things, whatever you can pick out of the dark and see um, how it affects you, how it will affect you if you need to defend yourself. And then lastly, um, it's also not being afraid what you, of what you cannot see. You know, people have this kind of innate fear of the dark, and it's just a, a fear that I really stress for people to kind of try to get over, over with, because when you're afraid, you, you tend to not think as clearly. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you're right. I mean, and all that kind of plays together, right? So if people have this fear of the dark, mm-hmm. it should you think that would naturally increase their level of mm-hmm. awareness, right? Like, it's kind of like, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're sitting in your home at, as a kid, and and you're in your bed, and it's dark at night, and every little sound mm-hmm. seems to be like a ghost coming out of the shadows, right? Well, you think that those low light <laughs> exactly. scenarios end up can do that as well, but. A lot of times we're not in like fully dark environments, right? It might, it might be nighttime, mm-hmm. but in a parking lot that has lights. And so now you've got to make mm-hmm. sure that you, you might have to, you might have to call out that awareness. You have to be, may have to be more aware mm-hmm. of it, of your awareness level, I guess. And what I really like about mm-hmm. like your, your second tip there about, about looking for mm-hmm. like minute details or specific things, because I think mm-hmm. that that sounds like a really great way to, I don't know if you incorporate this as like a, an exercise for people, but by, mm-hmm. by, by trying to focus in on, I mean, I'm mean thinking like trying to focus in on, on minute details. It might be like a car's license plate in the distance, like forcing yourself to be more aware of that might possibly, you know, allow you to, to be more conscious of your awareness. Well, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, Shoot small, yeah. hit small, or you know, some people say shoot small, miss small. Exactly, and that same kind and of that's thing. something I take away from my my time in the special forces. Is that something we really, really stress is being sharp and noticing every single thing possible, uh, because those things really, for us, could could make the difference between life and death. Um, and, and that's something that's super important. You know, when you're in a parking lot and you're noticing, you know, a car that looks a little bit off. You're in a you know parking lot for a nice restaurant. And there's a beat up old car there or something of that nature, it already allows you to be a little bit more situationally aware um, and kind of help you already think of a plan and formulate a plan in case you do need to defend yourself, whether it's armed or unarmed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, it's definitely a more challenging environment. I mean, let me, let me ask you this. So obviously when you're attacked in a low light setting, it's a lot harder to see your attacker and get a good shot off if you have to, but what are some of the other factors that, you know, that when people take your course, they realize are also challenges mm-hmm. that they may not have known without, you know, being in that type of a training environment that you put them in during your courses. What do you, what do you see as kind of the revelations for people? So a lot of things that people don't really think about 
when it comes to fighting and shooting because they're so used to training in that gym or in that square range environment Mm -hmm. is, for example, their fighting surface. What are you fighting on? Are you going to be on gravel? Are you going to be on concrete? Are you going to be in the grass? Are you going to be in bushes? Are you, you know, what is your fighting environment? And that, of course, makes a huge difference in what attacks you can use, what tactics you can employ, um, and how you can move around. Um, another thing that people kind of don't consider a lot is how their depth perception will be affected in the dark. Mm. Um, is in the dark is just much harder to judge distances. Um, that's a it's a big big factor. Um, and then one of the one of the additional things that I, I see a lot of a lot of people carry lights, um, but a lot of people don't know how to use those lights properly, and that's that's one of the biggest things I see that. Yeah, I have the slide. I'll be able, you know, I'll be able to scan for my threats, but, you know, they don't know the actual technique of of doing so. Yeah, yeah, and and it sounds like and there's then, a lot that goes into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I wouldn't say it's a it's a huge thing. A lot of it is just pure common sense, but it's still things that you have to think about and understand what you're doing. You know, it's like shooting. I'll let you either know how to do it, or you think you know how to do it. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then another big thing is, you know, we, we kind of talk about as our safety rules for shooting is know your target, know the foreground, know the background. But that becomes a whole of a hell lot harder to do in the dark. You can barely see your target, you know, right. and good luck trying to see what's behind it or yeah. what's the side of it. You know, darkness is essentially a natural form of concealment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, those are definitely, I mean, those are definitely challenges. I hope we get into some of the, some of the ways mm-hmm. that we can, we can overcome some of those challenges. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into that, though, listen, everybody, we've been talking with Ron Groveman mm-hmm. of tacticalfitnessaustin.com about how to protect yourself with your firearm under low light conditions. And we have a lot more in store for you, including how to transition from fighting to shooting when you're ambushed without warning in low light environments. Going from a defensive reactionary mode to full on take the fight to the enemy aggression with the flip of a switch and how to train for a low light gunfight even when your local range frowns upon turning the lights out. All that and more coming right up at first. Check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun-range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show okay we're back with ron groban of www.tacticalfitnessaustin.com talking about nighttime pistol combat and how to protect yourself and those you love in low light environments I've got a lot more to get into and get to some really juicy stuff here, so let's jump back in now. 
Now, Ron, since a since a close quarters ambush is really more likely at night, and you may end up having to fight your way to your gun, what tactics do you teach for transitioning from fighting to shooting? So, because we we often find that people, you know, bad guys can get closer to you. They use the the cover of night, and so I think a lot of people falsely believe that they're just going to be able to draw their weapon and and engage with their attacker in time before they that person even gets close to them. And I know you focus a lot because you you coordinate Krav Maga hand to hand combat with your pistol combat. Um, there's a transition that needs to happen there, right? Like you from going from one to mm-hmm. the other. So what tactics do you teach in your course that work well for transitioning from fighting to getting to your weapon and engaging your your um, your attacker with your firearm? So I, I follow a very basic principle for this. It's, it's very simple. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a knife attack, a gun threat, um, a, a hand-to-hand fight. Um, but we're always talking about fighting using blunt force trauma. We're always talking about creating distance and then finally reaching for your gun if it is uh, legally justified. Okay, so let's let's dig a little bit deeper into those because mm-hmm. I've I've been to different training courses and we and people end up surfing on the internet and watching videos and we see mm-hmm. a lot of different types of techniques and stuff like that. So even just the the gating distance, just being able to to disengage with your attacker to give enough space there, I've seen all kinds of things and people know that I'm mm-hmm. very I'm very outspoken sometimes to a controver- controversial level of some of the things mm-hmm. that I see out there that people think because the gurus are teaching them that they are, that they're realistic, that they're re- going to work for them in a, in mm-hmm. a real fight. And, and you, and you, I'm sure you know also as like a Krav Maga instructor, and, and I, I take Krav Maga also, and I love the street, mm-hmm. the street application of it. But, you know, if you just draw the, without throwing too many stones at, at glass houses, mm-hmm. but, there is a lot of like <laughs> martial arts that's out there, right? That's taught mm-hmm. and it works really, really well inside of a, like, um, you know, inside the relaxed dojo, you've got a willing partner there. Everything's good to go. But mm-hmm. when you apply it to a real street fight, if you will, it, it doesn't quite mm-hmm. turn out the same, the same way. So what, when it comes to gaining distance, because I think this is probably the most important aspect of this, what do you find is being maybe taught out there uh, that you teach in your classes that maybe goes against what other people might be training for that that really won't work in the pressures of a real gunfight? So what I'm seeing a lot of is, I would say, I wouldn't call it jiu-jitsu. I wouldn't call it wrestling. It's kind of just too much trying to grapple with your attacker, mm-hmm. trying to out-wrestle him, trying to go for underhooks, things of that nature, when... That's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to reach your weapon, right? You're not trying to wrestle this person. Um, so one of the things that I stress is just using blunt force trauma. That means hitting until that person is no longer able to to get you, until you've created distance. It's it's the biggest misconception, I think, in the Krav Maga world even, and really in the self-defense world, that your defense is what stops the attack. Your defense does not stop the attack. It prevents the attack. Your blunt force trauma stops the attack. Yeah. So okay. here, and in, in that, go ahead. Uh, so in that regard, one of the things that I think separates me from a lot of other instructors out there, a lot of martial arts and Krav Maga specifically, is that we don't rely on our defense to save us. We rely on our 
mindset on our on our um kind of just over over aggression to create that distance so we can reach for that firearm. Yeah. One thing that I always get in always get in, not an argument with my crop instructor, mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. we definitely differ in this area and it and it changes how how I train because we often mm-hmm. say we we fight as we train, right? And so mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I actually I have um I have a, a video that went viral. I think it's the second most watched martial arts video on YouTube. And mm-hmm. it's because it's a very controversial topic, because I'm not sure what your what your philosophy is with it, but I'm not mm-hmm. a big puncher. And mm-hmm. I, I like to use, like, palm heel. I love to use my, my elbows and things mm-hmm. like that. But because I do carry concealed and, and because I have hit people in real fights with my hands and mm-hmm. folded my wrist and hit my knuckles, like, mm-hmm. if you fold your wrist or if you lose, I mean, if somebody's using their strong hand typically to hit somebody, that's the same hand that you want to be able to grab your weapon with and be able mm-hmm. to use it. And if you break your if you break your wrist or something like that, mm-hmm. then it's going to be hard to, you're going to have to use your other hand, which is not an mm-hmm. ideal scenario. So do you find that in close quarters, especially to be able to get you that distance, that there are more effective um, blunt force trauma techniques that work better than others when it comes to protecting yourself also as a concealed carry operator? Um, so I'm really happy you asked me that question because, I, in fact, I really do stress what you just said is using palm strikes. Essentially using blunt force trauma that's not going to cause damage to you mm-hmm. um, or minimize the risk of, of damage to you. It's something I highly, highly stress to my students. In fact, all my combat pistol courses, we don't even go over punches. We go over open-handed strikes, elbows, knees, maybe push kicks. Um, and that's once again, that's that transition from the gym to the real world. Um, you may, you're in a ground fight with somebody and you miss that punch, you're going to break your hand. Mm-hmm. And then good luck trying to use that weapon that firearm same thing is you know it's dark we're going back to our topic it's dark you have no idea what you're hitting you hit that forehead you hit that crown of the head with a closed fist you're going to break your hand you're going to fold that wrist so that's something i really really stress is is definitely using those open-handed strikes those elbows those knees that really minimize your risk and create maximum damage to your opponent awesome Awesome. I'm glad we're in alignment in that. I didn't want to start a confrontation in the middle of the call. So it's awesome. No, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and look, you, you can start all the confrontations you want. I have, uh, and, uh, and I love getting those questions because I love proving people wrong. And that hurts yeah. too. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's, to me, it's all common sense. People, people oftentimes, they get stuck on, you know, what they learn and they think that's going to be the best. And it's just, it's just not reality. You know, for the first couple of years I was training Krav Maga, it's all about using fist, 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 fist. I started working with firearms, and I was like, you know what? This is this is not the best idea. Yeah, and that's how I transitioned to to what I do now. Awesome! You just become my favorite instructor of the day. So thanks for that. <laughs> so you Happy brought here. you brought something up that was uh, I thought was really important there, and you talk about mm-hmm. like really basically like being overly not. I don't know if you said overly aggressive, but basically you've got to tap into some element of your psyche that that pulls you mm-hmm. out of that that victim mentality. I mean, we've all seen fights where you know somebody really defeats themselves mentally before anything they start mm-hmm. getting into any sort of a fight they end up mm-hmm. basically rolling up in a ball on the ground and just waiting for the stomps to stop so i i know you yeah. also like to make your training as realistic as possible mm-hmm. and try to prepare your trainees for being more aggressive 
and shooting under mm-hmm. stress. So in your mm-hmm. training, like what strategies do you think are the most important for, for taking the fight to your attacker? So uh, we have a, a, a mindset uh, kind of phrase that we use in the IDF. It's called flipping the bull. Okay. Uh, basically it means something happens. You go from zero to 100 and split a split in a split second. Um, that being said, that's those, those are simulations that I try to do with, with my students. You know, we'll, we'll do some type of practice and then we do this drill and they have to, you know, get into that mindset that, that's it. I'm going to plow through anything I need right there, right at that second. And, you know, we'll, we'll do a drill where they have to run through basically like a football tackle drill and then engage their threats or we're doing surprise attacks. Uh, they're starting with their eyes closed and having to engage and so on, or, you know, we're working in the dark. And once again, we yell gun, 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 and they have to, once again, do that mental switch, that what we call flipping the ball, and get really aggressive and go uh, and engage their threats. Is there is there anything mentally that you've found to be useful for, like, creating that switch? I mean, because it really can be done very quickly if you can kind of program the mind to okay get, you know it's game on mode and it'll, people don't walk around in that mode right they don't walk around yeah. like i'm ready to just unleash on somebody mm-hmm. and and you've still got that whole like recognition oh i'm i'm being attacked oh i'm fighting back but mm-hmm. you know you've i see this so many times with so many people it's like i i watch the mental process their whole body just just shows mm-hmm. what they're thinking. And you can see if somebody's like kind of leaning back and just focusing in on blocking what's coming at them, that's a very defensive mm-hmm. you know, approach, right? As opposed to that mm-hmm. same move, leaning forward, puts you in a more aggressive stance. Is there, has mm-hmm. there been one thing that's really worked well? When you get that, let me put it this way. When you have, when you're doing your course and you notice the same thing that I just said, you've got somebody that mm-hmm. mentally is like, you see them kind of leaning back on their on their back leg more. They're just kind of mentally, they're just not ready to just unleash there. Have you found mm-hmm. maybe one technique or something that has worked well for getting that person to think differently about, like, no, 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 this son of a bitch, like, wrong choice. I was not your target for today. I'm going to show you why. Is there anything that works really well for that? So I try to get people into the mindset by just giving them, like, a, like a backstory, like, hey, this guy just tried to attack you. This guy just attacked your wife, you know, talking about the target or whatever we're doing uh, to really get people in to understand why they're doing this. You know, it's easy to say, OK, go all out, go. But, you know, they, you want to give them kind of a background story to understand why they're doing this. I find that with civilians, it's much, much harder to do just because of, you know, for the most part, our lives are really safe in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Unless you live in some really, really nice, uh, rough neighborhood. So it's, it's a little bit harder to do with civilians, you know. Um, in the army, they would just simply wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you, go fight. So it was a little bit harder, to, a little bit, a little bit easier to develop that in soldiers. But, uh, with civilians, it's just something you have to chip at. And finally, people kind of start getting that mentality and you see that transition, especially, you know, from the start of the course, by the end of the day, they're just, you know, wild animals when they need to be yeah yeah and 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 you another good point that you brought up there is that especially for civilians we might it might be like that we, it might be okay for us to i won't say it's but people might think 
like, oh, I'll just roll up in a ball and, and eventually they'll stop. But if you, if you are thinking about your wife is next to you or your child is with you or something like mm-hmm. that. Exactly. The person's not exactly. going to roll up in a ball. They're going to like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you don't, you're not going to touch my kid, you know? So it does change exactly. the framework there. And I, and I love how mm-hmm. if you get them to visualize that, you can really yeah. tap into the emotional response that they need to mm-hmm. have to be able to fight back. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk about, let's talk about some of the ways that maybe somebody can train for this because, you know, a lot of local ranges don't allow for nighttime training or even letting, mm-hmm. if it's an indoor range, especially, they don't want the, mm-hmm. the lights to go down. Some of them might have mm-hmm. it where it's specific times are set up for things like that. But for the most part, it's really kind of hard to find this kind of training as well as training, even just practicing environment. So what are some ways mm-hmm. that our listeners can train for a low light attack scenario, given the challenges of not really having a lot to, to choose from from training environments? So I'm a huge proponent of dry fire. Um, I think that's one of the biggest difference between the U.S. and Israel is that we do huge, 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 huge amounts of dry fire in Israel uh, for many reasons. One is you know, not having money for ammo, but also because of its huge value in terms of creating good technique, uh, good muscle memory, uh, and things of that nature. Um, so I highly recommend doing dry fire. Uh, one of the big things is getting used to drawing one-handed when you're you know, searching with a flashlight. Um, another thing I stress to all my students is regularly practice clearing your house during the day, during the night, when some lights are on, when some lights are off. Um, you know, as a civilian, your likelihood of running into some random building and clearing it is low, but your likelihood of, you know, doing some type of home defense because some dude broke into your house is a little bit higher, especially while you're in the home, you know, maybe at night, um, something of that nature. So really, um, I really, really stress that, and I do this myself as well. You know, I'm a civilian now. I'm, I don't, I'm no longer serving the IDF. Um, I regularly practice clearing my home, and once again, tying back to our situational awareness, seeing where everything is laid out, um, seeing what things I'm, I'll be able to use as concealment. If I have potential cover, I can use, for example, my, you know, my uh, laundry and and dryer that I on one end as as cover. Um, so those are things that they need to be considered. They need to know where everything sits in their house, where all the switches are, where they can be where they can be exposed, where uh, are good places to use lights, where are where are bad places to use light. Um, so those are big things. And then if they have some type of punching bag is practicing striking with their light, striking with their hands and transitioning to their firearm. Yeah. That's awesome. And I was thinking about that also when you were talking before about how you would sometimes start out your, your students maybe with their eyes closed or, or blindfold mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, a lot, a lot of people have a problem finding somebody to train this kind of stuff with, but with just a heavy mm-hmm. bag or something like that hanging, you could, you know, blind, mm-hmm. even if you, you just blind yourself in your basement or in your garage or whatever and just get mm-hmm. used to, you know, being able to feel your way because you might not be able to see your attacker or especially if they're trying to grapple with you, if they're trying to wrestle you around, Yeah. you know, being able to feel for where the core of that heavy bag is, you know, where you're feeling mm-hmm. for the core of your attacker is and being able to, you know, just instinctively when you know where that, that person's center line is, just reaching out with your hands and just pushing their head away to give you space or striking with an elbow to give you space and then mm-hmm. taking that step back and drawing your weapon on your heavy bag, that's 
like that's a simple exercise I think somebody can do oh, yeah. that gets them used to, mm-hmm. you know, using their other senses where you, you mm-hmm. might have to use those in a real attack. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's something I do daily in my garage. I practice drawing in lighted conditions. I practice drawing in low light conditions, movement, all those things. These are things that need to be in your daily repertoire to really be able to do that in a real life situation. You know, fighting is one thing. Shooting is a whole nother thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ron, this is a great interview, and I'm really glad to get your training out to all of our followers and everything, and um, really appreciate you taking the time, especially traveling overseas right now. Uh, I don't even know mm-hmm. what time it is where you are, but it's awesome that you took some <laughs> time for us. So really, really cool. Um, listen, everybody, uh, these are this is just a taste of the kind of training that Ron has in his courses. I'm really thankful because he's right in my backyard, but people can come in from all around the country for this type of tr- level of training because you're getting stuff that – is has been battle tested and it's and it's really gone through that filter of what's practical and reality for a real life attack and there's lots of different courses that ron runs on this type of training as well as others so make sure that you go on over to his website and check out his training again it's at www.tacticalfitnessaustin.com and if you come on out make sure that i know you're coming out also because I'll buy the first beer. So uh, until the, that happens and until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.